Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hey, hello, welcome back. I am Chris, the pastor at Compass. As always, I'm really glad that you're with me today. Now, lately, I've been getting a lot of messages from people who are recommending a recent translation of the Bible, and they're asking if we can use it at Compass. It's called The Gospel According to Gen Z. And just like the King James or the the New International versions of the Bible, it was translated into the language of the day in order to make sense in a modern and common vernacular. So let me show you a quick example. So the paperback is temporarily sold out, but the hardcover has like really vivid, vivid imagery, really high quality paper. I mean, it's hardcover for a reason. So here, let me show an example of a chapter. Lazarus, when Jesus was vibing with the chat, some real ones pulled up and said, hey, yo, come and clutch for our boy Lazarus. But Jesus said, nah, it's not that serious. And they vibed for so many days that when they got there, it was too late for his boy Lazarus. Perished bro's sister Martha came to Jesus and said, bruh, why were you lacking? For you could have prevented this L if you were here. So Jesus told her, your brother will be un-unalived. She said, I know he will live his best life after this life. But Jesus said, I am the best life. And they went to the tomb and Jesus wept. And he looked up and said, appreciate you, Divine G, for coming in clutch. I know that when I ask anything, you always say that. And Jesus said, Lazarus, pull up. Hades heated Lazarus so hard and walked out of the tomb. Okay, this translation of the gospel is probably meant to be more funny than spiritual, but it does highlight something about language. That there are some words and phrases that can only be understood when you are part of or understand a certain culture. Sometimes, if you know, you know. And if you don't, you don't. But that's okay. You may not understand what it means when your kid says something slaps, but they have no idea what it means when you talk about making a collect call, which just highlights what language means in the context and culture in which that language is used. Now, today, as we continue exploring what we want need, and think we deserve from God, we're going to look at a very small section of Matthew's gospel, not in the Gen Z version, uh, but we're going to look at a passage that makes more sense when we understand the language that's behind it. And we're going to start in Matthew 21, 15. The blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles, but the leaders were indignant. Now, just for background, Jesus has come into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover festival, along with thousands of other Jewish pilgrims. This is also the final week of Jesus' life, and most of it was spent in the temple teaching. Now, while he was there, he was not making friends with the religious leaders. He just created a huge scene by flipping over the tables of the money changers and the salesmen of animals for sacrifice. And now Jesus has done something else to make the leading priests and scribes angry and indignant. He healed people who were blind and lame. Now, this seems like a strange thing to get mad about, right? Sick people being healed. That seems more like a thing to celebrate than to get upset about. In fact, it would be very easy for us to gloss over this one sentence where it says, the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. We can gloss over that because it doesn't appear to have any meaning other than what it's portraying. Jesus healed people. But that's because there are some Gen Z type things going on here 
that may be difficult for us to understand. This is a picture of the temple, and it's laid out in three main sections. So there's the big outer courtyard, which was called the Court of the Gentiles. Anyone could go into this section of the temple complex, but anyone who wasn't Jewish couldn't go any further. This is where Jesus flipped tables. But most of what Jesus did in the temple during the week of Passover happened in the temple proper, which is made up of two distinct sections. The first section is the court of women. Now, this was as far as women and children could go into the temple. And then you go past that through a gate into the inner court, which was only reserved for Jewish men. So you can see that that the deeper you got into the temple complex, the more restrictive it became of who could enter. But there was one group of Jewish people who weren't allowed past the court of the Gentiles. And that was people with any sort of disability. We can see what that specifically meant and why it was a thing by looking back at the Jewish law. And let's go back and look at this in Leviticus 21 verse 17. It says, In all future generations, none of your descendants who has any defect will qualify to offer food to his God. No one who has uh, a defective qualities, whether he is blind, lame, disfigured, deformed, or has a broken foot or arm, or is hunchbacked or dwarfed, or has a defective eye, or skin sores, or scabs, or damaged testicles. Because of his physical defect, he may not enter the room behind the inner curtain or approach the altar, for this would defile my holy places. So there's a lot here. But the big picture is that people with disabilities were not allowed in the temple. But as we zoom in, we can see some smaller details. And and the first is that the things included in this restriction, uh, the blind, the lame, anyone with any kind of deformity, people who have broken bones. I mean, these are a lot of reasons to keep people out. And we don't even need to talk about damaged testicles or how you would know that someone has those to know that this list and restriction is about more than just disability. This is about ceremonial purity. The temple was believed to be the one place where God's presence resided on earth. It was the one place where God and people could come together. And as a result, it was a holy and sacred place. And any sort of impurity could upset the balance and it may cause the presence of God to leave. And so the temple had really strict restrictions on who could enter and when. And if you had any sort of disability or disease, there was this belief that it was a result of some sin in your life. Now, as a result of that, you would be viewed as ceremonially impure and not allowed in because no impurity could be allowed in the presence of holy God. Now, I want to point out that this first reason that the lame and blind weren't allowed in the temple It was because of fundamentalism. Now, fundamentalism is basically the application of strict and literal interpretations of scriptures or of doctrines or of ideology. And fundamentalism happens primarily in religion, but we can see it in politics or other ways of seeing the world. But one of the things fundamentalism does is it creates insiders and outsiders based on this emphasis on purity. If you believe and apply what we believe, you are in and pure. And if you don't, you are out and impure. What's interesting about this restriction in Leviticus is that it's actually only meant for priests. 
And it's not about the whole temple. It's really only about the inner sanctuary of the temple where only priests were allowed to go. But fundamentalism does what it does. And the fundamentalist reading of this passage, it expanded these purity restrictions to the entire temple and to anyone with a disability. So one reason the blind and lame were restricted from entering the temple was fundamentalism. But there's another reason. We can see it here in 2 Samuel verse 5. Verse 6 says, David then led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land who were living there. The Jebusites taunted David, saying, you'll never get in here. Even the blind and lame could keep you out. For the Jebusites thought that they were safe. But David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. And on the day of the attack, David said to his troops, I hate those lame and blind Jebusites. Whoever attacks them should strike by going into the city through the water tunnel. And that, that story, is the origin of the saying, the blind and the lame may not enter the house. So here's the story of the Jebusites, and they are mocking David by saying that even lame and blind soldiers could keep him out of their city. And there's some accounts that say they actually put lame and blind people up on the walls. David got in anyway and he defeated them, but he was so outraged by their mockery and their jokes that this tradition started of not allowing blind and lame people into his house because of his perceived hatred of them. And the city David captured from the Jebusites, it was Jerusalem where the temple was. So the second reason we can see why the lame and blind weren't allowed into the temple was tradition. The tradition that lame and blind people weren't allowed into the house, which eventually became understood as the temple. And this tradition had been followed for hundreds of years. So now we know a couple things that maybe we didn't know before. That people with disabilities weren't allowed into the temple, and that the reasons they weren't allowed into the temple were fundamentalism and tradition. Now this helps us understand why the leading priests were so outraged by what Jesus did. They weren't upset that he healed the blind and lame. They were upset that he brought them into the temple to do it. Jesus didn't cross a line by healing them. He crossed the line by having them cross the line from the outer courtyard into the temple proper. See, the religious leaders were more concerned with the defilement of the temple than they were the welfare of the sick and the disabled. They were more interested in protecting the practices of their ancestors than they were in adapting to the needs of people in a changing world. They wanted a God who was holy, who only welcomed those who were pure, like they were pure. They thought people deserved a God who punished sinners and excluded those who were impure. But Jesus wasn't who they wanted or deserved. He was who they needed. And they needed a God who would stand between the demands of holiness and the impurity of human sin to both invite us in and heal our brokenness. So why does this matter to us today? How do we apply this to our own lives? Well, all of the elements in this story still exist today. There are people who are hurting and broken in our world. And not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And while our universal spiritual brokenness, it may not show on the outside, it's just there below the surface. 
And religion is also the primary way we search and fumble our way toward God. But religion is still influenced by fundamentalism and tradition. And these two elements, when taken to the extreme, they can supersede God's heart to bring people into his temple. And they can serve instead to keep the hurting and broken in the outer courtyards that we create. Religion that's rooted in fundamentalism, it will always create in-groups and out-groups of people based on purity demands. And religion that's rooted in tradition, it's always going to seek to protect and defend the way things have always been done. And both of these approaches, they'll be done at the expense of people who need help and healing. But religion that's rooted in Jesus will always invite people in and offer them help and healing even if it comes at the expense of purity requirements or of religious tradition. Because Jesus puts the good of people before the practice of religion. And not only that, he redefines the practice of religion from following rules and tradition into the caring for orphans and widows, for the poor and the sick, for the lame and the blind. The people that fundamentalism makes outsiders of and the people that tradition has excluded as the world has changed. Which brings us to the one last thing that I want us to see. It's that Jesus invited the blind and lame into the temple in violation of a fundamentalist approach to the Jewish scriptures. And he invited them in in a rejection of the religious tradition that existed for hundreds of years. But it wasn't just about including them in the life of the temple. Because after he invited them in, he healed them. He made them whole. He changed them. You see, Jesus didn't just come to create a world where everyone has a seat at the table, even though he does that. Rather, he came to heal us, to heal the defects in our broken souls that have been caused by sin in our hearts and the, and the evil in this world. And this is the main thing I want you to take away today. Jesus changes us after he invites us in. It's not enough for us to be on the inside but stay as we are. The purpose of his invitation is to free us from the disability caused by sin. And this may be hard for some people because no one wants to acknowledge our sin and brokenness. Most of us just simply want a God who will just let us in as we are with no exceptions. Some of us think we deserve a spot at the table in spite of our sin and brokenness. But Jesus knows what we need. And what we need is a God who reaches out into the darkness to invite us into his light with the purpose of healing us and making us whole. Who removes the artificial boundaries of fundamentalism and tradition that we build up to worship him, but that keeps people both from inclusion and spiritual healing. We want a God who will just let us in with no expectations. We deserve a God who won't because he's holy and we aren't. But we need a God who will always change us in ways that we can't on our own as we accept his invitation to come in. If you're a person whose fundamentalism and adherence tradition, to tradition is keeping people from being healed, it's time to let those things go. Rather than be a barrier to what God wants to do in people's lives, you need to become an inviter like Jesus was. And if you're a person who's broken, disabled by the choices you've made or by the evil inflicted on you by this world, Jesus wants to heal your soul. 
He's inviting you in not just to fill a seat in a church, but to change you by repairing the deformity that sin causes in our lives and restoring you to a full relationship with a God who desperately loves you. Because Jesus changes us after he invites us in. And that invitation is for you today. So may we see and tear down the fundamentalism and the traditions that may be keeping us and others from fully knowing God. And may we embrace the invitation of Jesus to come and experience the healing and change that only comes from him as we live like Jesus lived, think like he thought, and do what he taught. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.